Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware. We have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake. So join us now. We are For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, the Gryffindor that's feeling a little ghastly at the moment. Been a hell of a first couple weeks at school. I'm Carly, the Hufflepuff that's feeling a little harried at the moment because I'm a mom. That'll definitely do it. Indeed. I also appreciate that you said harried. Yeah, I was going to make a hairy harried joke, but you know. It's all right. We are quite the pair this episode. It's fine. This should be interesting, so let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 1, The Other Minister, and the basically no corresponding film scenes. We start our book in a rather unusual way, no magical world. The country is, it seems, in peril. Fudge takes a visit to possibly John Major, the muggle minister at the time. We are given a brief look at what their relationship has been previous to this, and we see that, though Fudge tells the Muggle Prime Minister he probably won't be seeing him, he has seen an awful lot of him since he started. And the movie leaves us forever wanting more, as the only thing we could fit in was the Warner Brothers logo coming through the clouds and the title. During episode 193, Minister Mayhem, our Potter pondering was... What are your thoughts on whether or not the author was referring to a real prime minister or just making one up and keeping it vague for the sake of the story? Hello, this is Zach, and this is my Potter Pondering. My thoughts on whether or not the author is referring to a real prime minister or just making one up, I personally feel that she was just making one up for the sake of the story. I think... If I remember correctly, there was a, a change in government at some point during uh, that time when the books were being written. So I think it, it would have been difficult to refer to a specific prime minister at that time. And I think for the sake of the story, it really wouldn't have added any value in that case, being that, you know, the things that were happening that, that were being caused by the Dementors and, you know, the, the Death Eaters and and things of that nature that were obviously affecting both the, you know, the Minister of Magic and the Prime Minister. That was the the key part of that story, I think, that was trying to be conveyed. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering for this week. I think that they were talking about the real Prime Minister and then possibly the President of the U.S. as well. I find that interesting and I love the little peeks that we get into the goings-on in the muggle world because we don't get to see that a lot. And if it is the real figures that the author is hinting at, that just brings even more magic into our reality and I love the idea of that. Also, the queen being a witch is an amazing idea and then that just snowballs into me imagining which other historical figures were or weren't witches and wizards. Yeah, that's what I got to say, so, uh, bye. G'day, Ellen and Carly. How you guys doing? It's Jackson here with the Potter Pondering. I think it's kind of both. I mean, the author did set these books in the 90s, and she obviously knew who the British PM was at the time, but she didn't put any names and kept it deliberately vague. Yeah, 
just to avoid anything like getting sued or anything like that. <laughs> and yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, it was done with the 90s in mind, but kept deliberately vague. Thomas said, I think Rowling intended for Gordon Brown to be the PM in the book. However, I do believe that she wasn't sure who the American president was in 97, so she just made allusion to W. Much like the comic book miniseries Watchmen, where the British writer and artist had Nixon as still president in the 80s, yet the story is making allusions to Barry Goldwater's failed 64 campaign. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, which department handles the cover-up of the not-hurricane in the West Country? The Office of Misinformation has been working around the clock to cover up the destruction of the West Country that was actually caused by Death Eaters with giant involvement. Congratulations goes to Jessica Wallace. Yay! Not only is she the trivia winner, she is also our newest patron. So we just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Your support is amazing. And also, congratulations on your win. Do you think she's going to be starting up a streak? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 1, The Other Minister, and the film scenes that correspond in the loosest definition of the word. Chapter 1, The Other Minister, Part 2. The Muggle Prime Minister snaps at Cornelius Fudge, wondering how he's supposed to know what's going on in the wizarding community, pointing out that he has a country to run with quite enough of his own concerns to worry about at the moment. Fudge interrupts him to point out that they have the same concerns, stating that the Brockdale Bridge didn't wear out. That wasn't really a hurricane. Those murders weren't at the hands of muggles, and Herbert Chorley's family would be safer without him, so they're currently making arrangements to have him transferred to St. Mungo's Hospital for magical maladies and injuries. As the Muggle Prime Minister splutters over this news, Fudge takes a deep breath and informs him that he who must not be named is back. The Prime Minister thinks through the conversation from three years earlier and asks if he means he's alive. Fudge explains that he is as alive as a man who can't be killed is, saying that he doesn't really understand it because Dumbledore won't properly explain it. The Prime Minister isn't quite sure what to say and ends up asking if Sirius Black is with he who must not be named. Fudge has to inform him that they were wrong about Sirius after all. It turned out that he was innocent of murder, not in league with you-know-who, and he's actually dead now, murdered on the Ministry of Magic premises, and there's going to be an inquiry. The Muggle Minister actually feels a stab of pity for Fudge, but it is soon eclipsed by smugness that there hasn't yet been a murder under his charge. Fudge tells him that Black doesn't really matter anymore. The point is, they are at war and steps need to be taken. The Prime Minister thinks war is an overstatement, but Fudge clarifies that he who must not be named has been joined by his followers that broke out of Azkaban in January, and they have moved out in the open to wreak havoc. Fudge confesses that you-know-who did the Brockdale Bridge because he threatened a mass muggle killing unless he stepped aside. 
the prime minister is furious to realize that it was Fudge's fault those people died, and Fudge fires back, asking if he would have caved to blackmail like that. The minister says he wouldn't, but insists that he would have put all his efforts into catching the blackmail before such an atrocity. Fudge heatedly asks if he really thinks he wasn't making every effort, and points out that they are talking about one of the most powerful wizards of all time, one who eluded capture for almost three decades. The Prime Minister wants to know if Fudge is going to tell him he caused the hurricane in the West Country, too, and Fudge has to admit that it wasn't a hurricane, it was the work of Death Eaters with giant involvement. This stops the Minister in his tracks, and Fudge elaborates that he used giants last time, and the Office of Misinformation has been working around the clock, with Obliviators out modifying the memories of the Muggles who saw what really happened. He also has to admit that most of the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures are out trying, but can't find the giant, calling it a disaster. Fudge expresses that morale is pretty low at the Ministry, with all that and losing Amelia Bones. This name is familiar to the minister since that death was reported in their newspapers and received a lot of publicity since the police are baffled. Fudge agrees since she was killed in a room that was locked from the inside, but points out that, though they know exactly who killed her, it doesn't get them any closer to catching him. He also mentions Emmeline Vance's death, which the prime minister knew of since it happened just around the corner from there. He vents about the papers having a field day with it, but Fudge is barely listening as he continues to list off all the things going wrong, culminating with the Dementors swarming all over the place to attack people. The Prime Minister now recognizes that word and asks about them guarding Azkaban. Fudge wearily informs him that they deserted the prison to join he who must not be named, which was a real blow. This horrifies the Minister, who remembers being told that the Dementors drain hope and happiness out of people. Fudge confirms that information and adds on that they are breeding, which is what is causing all the mist. This makes the minister faintly sink into a chair and insists that Fudge has to do something as Minister of Magic. Fudge attempts a brave smile as he admits that the whole wizarding community had been screaming for his resignation for a fortnight and he was sacked three days ago. This again brings up feelings of pity, and the Prime Minister asks if there's anything he can do. Fudge says it is kind of him, but there is nothing, as he is only there to bring him up to speed and introduce him to his successor, who should be there by now. He glances over at the portrait, who announces that he will be there in a moment, as soon as he finishes his letter to Dumbledore. Fudge bitterly wishes him luck since he's been writing to the headmaster twice a day for the past fortnight and he won't budge. He begins to make a comment about him persuading the boy, but trails off into silence that is almost immediately broken when the portrait declares the arrival of Rufus Scrimgeour. The Prime Minister agrees, and the flames in the fireplace again turn green as a second spinning wizard arrives. This one looks a bit like an old lion and projects an impression of shrewdness and toughness that makes the minister immediately understand why the wizarding community would prefer him to fudge in dangerous times.
Scrimgeour removes his wand from his robes and asks if Fudge has told him everything as he taps his wand on the keyhole and locks the door. The minister tries to request the door remain unlocked, but Scrimgeour insists that he doesn't want to be interrupted. He then says he's a busy man and gets down to business, bringing up the matter of security. The prime minister claims to be perfectly happy with the security he already has, but Scrimgeour cuts him off to explain that they aren't because they don't want the muggle minister to get put under the imperious curse. When he mentions the new secretary in the outer office, the prime minister hotly declares that he's not getting rid of Kingsley Shacklebolt, calling him highly efficient. Scrimgeour tells him that it's because he's a wizard and a highly trained Auror who has been assigned there to protect him. The prime minister tries to protest, but Scrimgeour reminds him that he just said he was happy with Shacklebolt, and he lamely accepts the placement. Scrimgeour then shifts the topic to the junior minister, Herbert Chorley, who had been impersonating a duck, explaining that he's reacting to a poorly performed imperious curse that addled his brains. The minister doesn't think it's that big of a problem, but Scrimgeour says that he's being examined by a team of healers at St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, and he has attempted to strangle three of them. This makes the minister anxiously ask if he's going to be all right, but Scrimgeour merely shrugs as he moves back to the fireplace. He tells the minister that's all he really had to say, but he will keep him posted, probably through Fudge, who has consented to stay on in an advisory capacity. Fudge fails at another attempted smile, and the muggle prime minister gazes hopelessly at them before bursting out that they are wizards and can do magic, Surely they can sort out anything. Scrimgeour turns back towards him and exchanges a look with Fudge, who does manage a smile as he kindly points out that the trouble is the other side can do magic too. Then both wizards step into the green flames and vanish. The movie picks up from the shot of the stormy sky, then transitions to a view of the city in a reflection of a mirrored glass building. The camera cuts to show the people who work in the building sitting around several tables arranged in a triangle. They're distracted by the storm, several even head to the windows to look at it. The scene shifts to show us their view of lightning in the sky and the camera glides among the clouds as one takes on the form of a skull. As the mouth of the skull opens, streaks of black smoke shoot out of it and rapidly descend towards the city. They soar through the streets, down an alley, and through a brick wall, taking them to Diagon Alley, where they continue to streak down narrow roads and straight into one of the buildings, shattering the windows and starting a fire. As the people in the street panic and try to get away, a couple of masked Death Eaters and Fenrir Greyback lead a hooded man from the building and then shoot back towards the sky in slashes of black smoke. The camera then cuts to a crowded walking bridge as the Death Eaters fly their way over and under it, causing it to twist until all of the supports begin to snap. All of the people begin to scream and run for the opposite ends, barely making it to safety as the entire bridge falls into the river. The camera switches to more of an aerial view and zooms out as the bridge makes a huge splash, and the smoky Death Eaters soar away from the bridge towards the camera. The way they did this was really interesting. 
You made a choice. They made a choice. I don't hate that we got to see these things happened, whereas in the book we were just told about them happening, or at least one of the things we were told about in the book. The other one does get mentioned much later on in the book, which we'll refer to when we get to that point. But I don't know. I kind of wish we could have seen the interaction between Fudge and the Muggle Prime Minister. That is my least favorite thing. This movie is so short and also so, like, goofy. I don't even It's like a teen comedy, almost. They make it almost that way. And they leave out so many important details, like the adult, Horcruxes? <laughs> like Horcruxes and, and the adults having conversations about stuff that's happening. Yeah. And why things are the way that they are and why it's particularly scary at this point. Yeah, and I really wish... It didn't have to be a full chapter's worth of conversation, but even just give us 30 seconds of Fudge talking to the Muggle Prime Minister. Hugh Grant. Right. <laughs> give us 30 seconds of Fudge talking to Hugh Grant. After you read your section, I was thinking, what happened to Fudge? Did they kill him? Did we ever find out what happened to him in the end? No. Like, he's... Not mentioned in being at the Battle of Hogwarts. I assume that when they killed Scrimger, they probably killed him too if he was around. He was staying on in an advisory capacity, so could be. Interesting. He wasn't important enough to get a conclusion, I guess. Whoops. <laughs> but anyway, this half of the book chapter, like I said, starts off. We are still in that conversation between the Prime Minister and the Minister of Magic, the Muggle Prime Minister, if you will. The other Prime Minister? Well, he calls Fudge the other Prime Minister. Man, you know that Fudge also calls him the other Minister. It definitely <laughs> goes both ways. Actually, there's layers to this chapter because we know specifically from last episode that it is the Muggle Prime Minister who thinks of Fudge as the other Minister. And like you just said, Fudge totally thinks of him as the other Minister and we're about to get introduced to the other new Minister of Magic. The other, other minister. Right. Layers. It's like ogres. <laughs> right? This is the ogre episode. Anyway, this conversation is still going on. Last episode, they were more recapping past conversations they have. And this one picks up with it going into what has currently been going on. So Fudge is just like, hey, how's it going? And the Muggle Prime Minister is like, what do you fucking mean? How's it going? This has been a really bad week. I don't know what's going on in the wizarding community. I have my own shit to deal with. Fudge is like confused that the Muggle Prime Minister doesn't know what's going on. But that's a really fair question. He's like, no, I don't know what's going on in the wizarding world because Fudge gave him no information about the wizarding world. So no, he can't tell when things are maybe not muggly happening. Right. Like, no, I have no idea that these things are happening because of wizards, because why would he know that? Right. There's no reason for them to know that when literally all of their past interactions have been him being like, eh, you know, this is a thing, but you probably don't have to worry about it. He's been like, there's magic. Okay, bye. Also, can we just talk about how traumatizing all of that information would have to be? And you know he spends most of his time trying to not think about it. It would be very overwhelming to take your first day of office and then find out that there's magic. One, you don't have it. That sucks. Yeah. 
And then two, you have to deal with this guy who actually does have magic and is apparently running a whole magic society in parallel with your society. Yeah, not intimidating at all. No. Mm -mm. And then you have no idea what's actually happening in that world as it affects your world because this other guy sucks at communication and doesn't tell you things. He learned it from watching Dumbledore. Ah, yes. <laughs> but anyway, the Muggle Prime Minister is like, I don't know what's going on in the wizarding community. I got my own shit. And Fudge just kind of goes, hello, same shit. He's just like, the Brockdale Bridge didn't wear out. He mentions that that wasn't really a hurricane. Doesn't give any more detail at this point says that the murders, these highly publicized murders, were not at the hands of muggles, and that Herbert Chorley's family is going to be a lot safer without him. That's concerning. Yeah. And says that they're making arrangements to have him taken to St. Mungo's Hospital for magical maladies and injuries. So this is all a lot. It's probably the most information he's really gotten at once, too. It honestly is starting to seem like this may have been the longest conversation they've ever gotten to have. It seems like it, yeah. And then they even bring in the other minister eventually. So it's probably a two, three-hour conversation yeah, that they're having. at least a while. Which should have been their first meeting. Their first meeting shouldn't have been like, there's magic, deuces. Like, what? There's magic, here's a gerbil. Peace out. True, <laughs> true. That is exactly what happened. Like... Give the dude some more information. Communicate regularly, not just, I don't know, whatever. It's like teaching. You don't only contact the parents when there's a problem. That's how you get the parents to not answer phone calls. 100%. They block that number. <laughs> right? How do you block the fireplace? I totally would brick it up and be like, I don't need fires. <laughs> We'd have a repeat of what happened in the Dursley's living room, but at the muggle minister's office. I'm actually surprised that he didn't try to do that. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this news is horrifying, devastating, shocking, frustrating. Take your pick on the adjective there. To the muggle prime minister who's like, what? Then Fudge delivers the biggest blow informing him that he who must not be named has returned. And having just revisited all of the previous conversations in the book, we know exactly what conversation the prime minister is thinking of when he like flips through the little Rolodex in his brain and goes, wait, so you're saying he's alive? And Fudge makes a comment in response about how he is as alive as a man who can't be killed can be. But he doesn't really understand it because Dumbledore won't explain it properly. Dumbledore? Not explain things? No way. Like I said, Fudge learned it from watching him. Goodness gracious. He was just like, this is what powerful wizards do. I must also be vague. <laughs> I just... Fudge is like explaining this huge blow. Dude, you had the kid who is the chosen one telling you all last year that this guy was back. And you're like, oh, it's such a surprise. Yeah, shocking. I cannot believe this. 
So the prime minister also can't believe this and doesn't really know how to respond. This is all extremely confusing and above his head. I'm sure he is an absolute fish out of water in this moment. So all he can muster asking from a previous conversation is Fudge's whole concern about Sirius Black returning to him and giving him support. So he's like, did Sirius Black join him? And now Fudge again has to confess something. He's like, well, actually, we were wrong about Sirius Black. He didn't really murder any muggles. Not a murderer at all. He's also not in league with you-know-who. And, well, he's dead now. He got murdered on the Ministry of Magic premises. And there's going to be an inquiry. I hate Fudge so much at this moment because they're doing all of these inquiries on him right now but you guys didn't give Sirius a proper trial like Sirius got thrown into Azkaban without a trial right and that's bullshit I think they did a kind of trial because Dumbledore did testify that Sirius was the Potter's secret keeper but Sirius says that he didn't get a trial yeah I don't think they let him be present for it I think they made all of the discussion in the background. That's and not a trial. No, That's it's a, not. But they're making a decision to throw you into jail. They did something. I don't think it was good. To be fair, Fudge was a junior minister at that point because he specifically said, when I was a junior minister, I saw all this stuff happen. So at least he wasn't the minister of magic, but still. Which we know that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. So now we have a good idea of about how long Fudge may have been Minister of Magic. Probably right after that would be yeah. my guess. Yeah. What is a junior minister? Is it like an assistant minister? Or like minister an Minister in training, maybe? Huh. I don't know. We can look it up. Herbert Chorley apparently took on that role when he became minister. So maybe it is like someone in training or assistant or I don't know. Well, we'll see. Anyway, at the news that there's been a murder of somebody that they accused of being a criminal who wasn't on the Ministry of Magic premises, the Muggle Minister actually feels a little bit sorry for Fudge. I mean, we think he sucks. Granted, the Muggle Minister doesn't know the full story there. I mean, Fudge didn't want Sirius to die. He just, it happened under his charge, so that does kind of suck, like I get it, where the Muggle Prime Minister is coming from, but then he's like, no, never mind. <laughs> oh, he totally loses that pity for him the moment he's just like well at least nobody's died under my watch on ministry premises at this point and i am going to add a at this point this is very much a yet scenario shit could still go down but then fudge kind of redirects the narrative that's happening right now to point out that black's really not their concern because you know a he's dead and b he wasn't a problem to begin with but the main problem is they're at war and they have to do something. Prime Minister, it's like, war? Are you sure that's the word you want to use? That seems a bit much. And Fudge is like, well, he who must not be named has been joined by his followers that broke out of Azkaban back in January. You remember me telling you about that when I popped in. And now they've moved out in the open to cause all of the fucking problems that we've been having. You know who was the one who did the Brockdale Bridge? He had threatened a mass muggle killing unless Fudge stepped aside and let him take power. And that, like, 
that's a tough position to be in. That's really weird because the author specifically says in seven that he doesn't need to be the minister. He doesn't want to be the minister because having a puppet is as good as being the minister. So it's really weird that this was the threat that he made because I don't think that he wants to directly be in that light. I think he wants to be the puppet master. Well, he could have had him step aside to put his own person in place. I guess that's fair, yeah. But also, Fudge is rude AF because he says Sirius doesn't matter anymore. Sirius matters. Get out. The Black family are steeped in magical history. They're noble. They're an ancient house. And uh, I don't think Fudge is an important household. So, yeah, Sirius does matter. I don't think he meant that as an insult I think he meant in this moment, in this conversation, Sirius is not the focus, but... I know, but it's still rude. Like, It was dead. definitely rude. Have some respect. So he's telling him that the wizarding world is at war. He doesn't know that wizards were in World War II and that they were in World War I because they specifically say that in Fantastic Beasts. They had dragons that were fighting in World War I because Newt's brother was helping them. Oh, yeah. And that's a big thing. Like, do they not give him that information? That's really important information that I feel like the prime minister should have. So the queen definitely knows that they're wizards. Again, I'm still not convinced that the queen was not a witch. Well, that's fair. (laughs) But no, they don't give him that information. They give him the barest of bare bones of information. And then that's it. And even at that, like with this whole thing going on where... He has to tell him that the Brockdale Bridge was destroyed by evil wizards. And with the so-called hurricane, everybody does believe that's a hurricane because they were out there modifying memories to make them think it was a hurricane. So even if there was involvement in the war... That's fair. They did not let people remember that. They did not let muggles remember that after the fact. I wonder if they missed people and so there are people, you know, who got mustard gassed and stuff and they were like, oh man, I had like the craziest hallucination. Yeah. I to- totally, totally. That's you totally s- what yeah. happened. Yeah. Man, that does sound crazy. Those, those war drugs. Yeah, that'll huh. get you. <laughs> but anyway, back to the chapter at hand. Fudge just confesses that because he refused to step aside, which... You can't. You cannot agree to step aside to that kind of blackmail. But because he refused to, it directly led to this mass destruction that killed people. And the prime minister's been getting all of the flack for it because they're like, what the fuck? This bridge was fairly new. Why would it break? You need to do better things for bridges, minister. And he's just like, this was your fault? And I'm getting blamed for it? And Fudge is like, what the fuck, man? Would you have caved to the blackmail? Fudge is like, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Absolutely. And the minister says that he wouldn't either, but also insists that he would have put every effort into catching the blackmailer before something like that happened, which is like, really, man? You think that they weren't? I mean, your country let Jack the Ripper go for a long time, sir. 
Well, that wasn't his fault. He wasn't no, alive. No, <laughs> you're talking about catching people. I mean, it right? takes some time. Yeah, and that's what Fudge says. He's just like, do you think that we weren't making every effort? We're talking about literally the most powerful evil wizard of all time. And we tried to capture him for three decades and he kept slipping through our fingers. He's a slippery little sucker. We're not not trying, man. It's because he made himself look like a snake so he'd be a slithery more. Yep. At this point, the prime minister's like, I suppose you're going to tell me that that hurricane in the West Country was caused by wizards too? Yep. Yeah, as we already mentioned, it wasn't a hurricane. It was Death Eaters and giant involvement. And he was just like, what involvement? Do, 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 do what? Say what? Dude's over here worried about dragons and stuff before, and now he's like, huh? This is giants too? Oh my god. Yeah, and Fudge tells him, well, we know he used giants the last time to great effect. So we have the Office of Misinformation out there trying to solve this problem. Which was our trivia question. I assume that the Obliviators work within the Office of Misinformation. They should really use the Thunderbird and that stuff that Newt had. And then it rains during a hurricane, so then everybody just forgets. Bada bing. Considering how long ago that was, it might be kind of difficult to find a Thunderbird at this point. Oh. Well, they're also native to Arizona, not the UK. Yeah. So. And wasn't he, like, among the last ones, too? Wasn't that why Newt was really trying to save it? He had been trafficked. I don't remember if... They were endangered. That's what I was thinking. Maybe. But I mean, Newt just helped all animals. Yeah. All critters. I love Newt. But yeah, so they have the Obliviators out there trying to modify all of the memories, like I was saying before, so they don't even get to remember what they saw. That sounds like a really stressful job. Yeah, not one I would want to take on. Find everybody and be like, Obliviate, Obliviate, Obliviate. Hey, did you see anything weird? Fudge also has to admit that most of the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, which the minister at least knows about this one because he mentioned it back when he was talking about importing dragons in a sphinx. But he says that they're out trying to find the giant. So apparently it was just one giant, not like a bunch of giants. But they suspect a giant was involved and they can't find it anywhere. I don't know why I'm just realizing this, but I really don't like that Giants are classified under the regulation and control of magical creatures. That sounds so degrading. Regulation and control of magical creatures is, in general, degrading. I get it for, like, thunderbirds and for, like, bow truckles and, like, things like that. Dragons and sphinxes. I understand that. But giants have, like, a sense of, not that animals don't, but, like, they have like a sense of self and everybody treats them like they're stupid and like they're not. But really they are th- violent. And but I, maybe they're violent because wizards treat them like this. It's entirely possible. It could be along with the goblins. But I bet you anything goblins fall they under do. this category. Which and is house elves. Terrible. Not that they're dangerous, but control. I guarantee that when Hermione became minister, she got rid of that department or renamed it it repurposed it it. yeah yeah so that house elves don't fall under that so goblins don't fall under that so giants humanoids should not fall under that i don't think centaurs you know like yeah because centaurs are in control they say that in the fifth book that 
they are under the control of that. I would be okay if it weren't regulation and control. If it was maybe something like support, support and unification of magical creatures. Yeah. With the wizard kind. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. something like that would be great. Like yeah. liaison. The liaison. Yes. The liaison in support of magical creatures. That's what it needs to be renamed to. I hope Hermione got on that. She probably did. But since they can't find the giant, it's been a disaster because now they don't know if it's going to go strike somewhere else or if it really was there at all. They have suspicion that it was because I'm sure before they modified these memories, muggles were being like, giant, it was a giant, I saw a giant, it was really, really big, it tore up that tree, it smashed my house, giant. Do you like my impression of scared muggles? I did. (laughs) But I was also thinking, you know how people see things like in storms, like when they're at sea, people always say that they see the Cthulhu and stuff like that when they're at sea. Cthulhu is real, damn it. I know Cthulhu is real, but... But I wonder if it's like that, you know, where people are seeing this thing and they're like, oh, my God, I totally there was like a huge person over there. And people are being like, no, there wasn't like in case obliviators don't get to everybody. Is that like what's happening? Probably. I'm sure there's a lot of gaslighting happening, too. I saw a mermaid. No, you didn't. Obliviating and gaslighting. So on top of all of the shit that has been going down the past week or so. Fudge points out that morale at the ministry is pretty low because of it and the death of Amelia Bones. I want to take a second here because this is a really important storyline that gets overlooked a lot. I did look it up on Harry Potter Wiki and it's not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure it it has been said by J.K. Rowling that Susan Bones, who is the niece of Amelia Bones, During the first Wizarding War, her family died. And so she went to live with her auntie, who is Amelia Bones. Right. So Susan has to come into this school year, her sixth school year, which is a really important school year where she's doing all these activities and stuff, with the last member of her family having died. So Harry's story is nowhere near the saddest story in this entire book. No. It just happens to be the driving story. Like Neville's story is heartbreaking it is but Neville's story is also one of my favorites because he has all of that stuff and he still takes the motivation in seventh year to become yeah Neville and I think this actually is a good lesson in general that it's so easy for people to forget that everybody has shit Harry is the main character so we hear all about Harry's sad story And everybody else's sad story is just like background. (laughs) The background Hufflepuff. Right. And I feel like a lot of times in real life, people have such a tendency to view themselves as the main character and forget that other people have shit too. It's like that saying, like, you should treat everybody with kindness because you have no idea what people are going through. You have no idea. And it's something that I've really been working on lately. I think that this is kind of a throwback to Marietta. Now, I don't agree with what Marietta did. However, Marietta's parents work for the ministry. And I know that Ron's parents work for the ministry too, but can you imagine like if you have like conservative parents and you're kind of like the liberal kid and they're like, oh my God, stop. Like, I'm sure there was some things where Marietta's just like, I just want to fit in with my family and I don't want to make them. Yeah. Again, I will say I don't agree with what Marietta did. I don't either. I'm just. 
trying to shine yeah, some light on that. But I do hope with all my heart that that curse can be lifted as she grows up and shows that she is loyal to the people. If she is, because she, she doesn't come to. back for the Battle of Hogwarts. No, but in general, if she can show that she is a loyal person in general, that I would hope that would fade those scars. Can you imagine if that was like a smut campaign against Hermione when she's running for minister? Uh, <laughs> she did this. Oh, I think that would be hilarious. Do we really want a Slytherin that pretended to be a Gryffindor to be our minister? <laughs> That's hilarious. It's the most Gryffindor thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, so funny. Anyway, Amelia Bones, Susan Bones, their story is tragic. But we don't get much of it here either. Just the brief mention of it. And then it takes on the minister's perspective of it because he recognized that name. Which minister? <laughs> The muggle minister's ah, perspective, yes. because he recognizes the name from their newspapers, the muggle newspapers. It was a murder that received a lot of publicity because she was killed with the evidence of putting up a great struggle inside a room that was locked from the inside. And there was no sign of a break in or anything like that at all. I am very intrigued by this because... How many murders have happened in the muggle world where they haven't been able to catch murderers? Right? Wizards. Wizards. It's real. Definitely real. Fudge also says that they believe she was actually killed by you-know-who himself because of the fight she put up. Yeah. Amelia Bones is a boss. Yeah. I'm glad Susan wasn't there. Right? And he makes the comment that We've solved the murder. We know who did it. It just doesn't get us any closer to actually catching him because evil dark wizard who's eluded us for 30 years straight before. So that's another interesting thing. If this is a well-publicized murder in muggle newspapers and they do catch the person, do they, like, give the name Tom Riddle? Maybe. Was, we found out this guy, Tom Riddle, had murdered these women, blah, blah, blah. Maybe. To provide some comfort to the muggle world because like if you're sitting there and you're like oh my gosh this lady next door to me got murdered and they still haven't solved that it's been like 15 years like what's happening or they just bury it and hope that nobody asks because it's tough to explain and people do lose interest in things they do but also they put serious in the newspapers so that would make me think that maybe they would put something just kind of like Tom Riddle, we found this person did blah, blah, blah. But did they ever publish that Sirius Black was innocent and actually dead, so he's no longer a concern? Well, I don't know, because they stopped talking about muggle stuff I really, after this book. Yeah, but I really think that they just start modifying memories and try to bury anything wizard that has to touch the muggle world as much as possible. So I think they would rather just let people forget about it because they're distracted by the new shiny awful thing that happened yeah here's this thing take right. it this person died now let's find out what happened here oh the queen passed away oh okay yeah <laughs> but like you said now we get to emmeline vance's death is brought up and the prime minister knows about this one too because it literally happened around the corner from there so they're like this happened in your fucking backyard at least it wasn't on the premises no, but where is 
the Ministry of Magic? Is it really close? Like, Maybe. was she leaving work and that's what happened? We don't know. They did not give us that information. And she's an original Order member, right? Because Emmeline Vance, I think so. Moody says that Emmeline Vance is in the picture yeah. that he gives to Harry, but he doesn't give it to Harry. Yes, he does. He gives it to Harry in the book. Sirius gives it to Harry in the movie, but it's not the same picture. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Okay, gotcha. But the muggle minister is now having this absolute rant about the papers having the field day with that murder, but Fudge is just in his own world, just listing off all of the horrible things that are happening. It's like, so this is really bad, and this is really bad. And oh yeah, by the way, Dementors are also swarming all over the place and attacking muggles and wizards alike. I think he really just needed to get this off his chest. Like oh, he was feeling yeah. like really overwhelmed and wanted somebody to sympathize with him and thought, hey, this guy's been through a bunch of shit lately too. Maybe he can sympathize with yeah, me. Yeah, and he kind of does because of past conversations. I love how the book words this actually. It's like years before... That sentence, Dementors swarming all over the place and attacking people would not have made any sense to him at all. But now he's like, Dementors, huh? I thought you said that they guard Azkaban? Alcatraz. Right. And Fudge is like, well, they did. Until they deserted their post to join He Who Must Not Be Named, which I'm not going to lie, that one was a real blow. You know, it's a shame that nobody warned him that was going to happen. Did they pledge their allegiance to him because he was like, eh, free reign on oh, muggle territory? That's bananas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They get to go do whatever they want, suck on whoever they want. Well, there is Dementor stuff everywhere. Everywhere. Yuck. Whereas they were very controlled and limited to what they would get. At Azkaban. They'd get stuff, but it was like a taste. You get stuff at the beginning when people are there, but then once they've been there for so long, they don't have anything else to give. Right. And hopefully, to them, their perspective, they get fresh meat all the time. But if you think about how many Dementors there are, one or two new prisoners is not going to be enough to satiate them. This is a regulation and control of magical creatures. Absolutely. But this is an interesting question because the only way that Dementors can survive and live is if they have these things to survive and live on. To feed off of. So every magical creature in the world has to have a purpose, right? So why would they be here if they didn't have a purpose? That is my thought. That is always my thought. Like, cobras exist. I don't like them, but they exist to keep an ecosystem in balance. So with Dementors, they exist for some reason, but how do you have them stay alive and stay functioning? I mean, I think that the idea was, oh, well, it's a good way to keep people crazy in this prison. Are they like literally limited to being at Azkaban? Because that's insane. I think they were. That was how they regulated them. This could be a Potterheads a History episode. I think we could just fucking talk about Dementors. I can talk about Dementors. Depression. I can talk about that. Yeah. I wonder if they were brought into reality due to the horrible things that people do to other people and such. That like every single time something horrible happens, a new Dementor is born and then once enough existed and they had so much to feed off of, that is when they started breeding. 
that really reminds me of like the Obscurus situation. Like that ended up existing because oppression and stuff happened to the wizarding community. Yeah. So I'm just intrigued. So maybe we should yeah. set aside some time to do it. I definitely think this is a conversation that needs to be had and we should table it for a Potterheads of History episode and get back to the chapter at hand. But that is really interesting. But speaking of all of these Dementors and them draining the hope and happiness out of people, the minister remembers this information as well and asks Fudge about it. And that's when Fudge tells him that they do and they've been breeding and that's what's been causing all of the mist. Yuck. Yeah. So (laughs) everybody's just out there walking around in Dementor jizz. In the movie, they have all this dark clouds and stuff like that. They don't really show mist, but they definitely show the dark clouds, so maybe the Dementors are up in the sky breeding. Well, in the movies, the Dementors do fucking fly, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. This information basically leads to the minister needing to sit down in a chair before he passes out, because this just fucking sucks. And he looks at Fudge and says, you have to do something. You're the minister of magic. And Fudge is like, you don't really think that I'm still the minister of magic after all this, do you? This guy knows. Like, (laughs) you know, he's not thinking logically right now. He's freaked out. But he knows. He's like, the entire wizarding community has been screaming for my resignation for a fortnight, I've never known them to be so united in my entire life. Because they found out that you didn't listen to Dumbledore and everybody's like, what? Yeah, he fucked up and he got sacked three days ago. Again, like you were saying, he was maybe trying to get somebody to commiserate with him. And this works. The prime minister feels bad for him and actually asks if there's anything he can do. That's nice. It is really nice. And Fudge is like, so kind of you, but nope. Pretty much done. Uh, there's nothing that didn't happen. I, this is, I'm actually only here so I can introduce you to my successor. And he really should be here by now. And he looks over at the portrait who announced his arrival. And the portrait like clears his throat and says, he's going to be there really soon. He's just finishing up a letter to Dumbledore. And Fudge is like... <laughs> Good luck with that. I've been writing him twice a day for the past fortnight, and he won't do anything that I want him to do if he'd only been prepared to persuade the boy. I might still have my job. But he actually kind of trails no, off. No, you wouldn't. He wouldn't. He fucked up royally. But he trails off into silence instead of opening that can of worms, and it's almost immediately that the portrait then does his little cough and makes the announcement that... Rufus Scrimgeour will be arriving. Please respond. And the prime minister's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Let him arrive. (laughs) Right. And we again see the green flames and this other wizard spins in them and steps out of the fireplace. And he is described as looking kind of like an old lion. So he's a Gryffindor. I totally think he was a Gryffindor. I love this explanation of him, though. It's so cute. And then the actor that they get to play him is he fits very well with the lion look yes i thought they gave him a good look i love that actor what is his name bill Nye. that's what i thought okay but 
we don't get to see him at this point, so we'll really talk about him later. I do want to say that I felt like he was too skinny. I wanted to see a little bit more to him because he's supposed to project this impression of shrewdness and toughness. And that was the only thing that I kind of felt like he was lacking. I think that they did that a lot with his facial expressions, yeah. which was good. Yeah. And Bill Nye is really tall. So I feel like that was, it's kind of like a looming presence. You know, he's like, yeah. but yeah, I think maybe a bulkier dude, a bulkier dude would have maybe been, but I really liked him. He's I did cute. really like him. No, I was totally fine with the casting. That was just my one thought, which we'll get into it a little bit more when we actually get to see him because it's not in this scene. But like I said, he projects this impression of shrewdness and toughness that makes the Muggle Prime Minister immediately be like, oh, yeah, that's why they wanted you to be minister and not fudge. Who's like, that the makes more sense. Bumbling. Baboon. Yeah. <laughs> Corny fudge. Corny fudge. Anyway, yeah. Scrimgeour gets his wand out, walks over to the door, taps the keyhole and locks it. I would be like, Ugh. Yeah, and that's what he does. He's like, can we just keep the door unlocked? And Scrimgeour is like, I would rather not be interrupted. And then he says, or seen, and points his wand at the windows and closes the curtains. I saw a really interesting illustration of the prime minister standing at his window, and there's a Dementor right on the other <gasps> side. Oh, it's a really good illustration. I just got the chills. Um, but that's really interesting because he can't see them. No. So maybe Scrimgeour sees them and is like, Ugh. Yeah, ooh, creepy. Yeah. Scrimgeour then says that he's very busy and they need to get down to business, and he starts off the matter with security. And the prime minister's just like, my security's fine, dude. I got Kingsley. Well, he doesn't know that. I mean, he does know that, but he doesn't know that Kingsley's a yeah. wizard. <laughs> Which is hilarious because Kingsley got a job in his office just, like, doing paperwork. He's so cute. <laughs> so he just, like, uses his magic to get through, like, twice the amount of paperwork that anyone else can. And he's, like, super happy with him. So when Scrimgeour brings up Kingsley Shacklebolt, the minister's just like, you're not asking me to get rid of him because he's super efficient. And Scrimgeour's just like, yeah. Because he's a wizard. Oh, you have to get rid of him. <laughs> he's also a highly trained or that we put in your office to protect you so you don't end up getting put under the Imperius curse because that would really fuck over the muggles. It really would. And like you said, he's like, get rid of him. And Scrimgeour's like, you just said that you loved him. Everybody loves Kingsley. And so he's just like, yeah, well, fine. As long as his work continues to be excellent, I guess he can stay what it's okay. gonna be subpar right <laughs> then scrimgeour brings up the junior minister herbert chorley says you know your junior minister who's been impersonating a duck he's actually reacting to a poorly performed imperious curse and it's addled his brains and it kind of makes me wonder who cast it and didn't actually mean it finrear <laughs> probably he just wanted to eat him yeah. Wait, Finrear doesn't have a wand, so he can't cast it. Does he not have a wand? They never show him with a wand. Huh. Because I thought he was still magical, too. He's a wizard, but I think he's, like, forsaken all of that. He's a were-wizard. Be... Yeah, he's kind of forsaken all that to be gross. Yeah, and creepy. And gross. And creepy. This actually makes me really sad because... The Muggle Prime Minister doesn't really seem to be concerned about Herbert Torley. And you would think if he's his junior minister, 
maybe you would have more of a relationship and that you would actually be concerned that this guy was going home to his family. But I don't think that they're explaining accurately no. the imperious curse and like what it does. Well, at this point, the minister's just like all he was doing was quacking a bit. Like surely he just needs to stop drinking and rest for a while. He probably just snapped under the pressure of everything that's been going on. It's also been really inconvenient for him that this happened while all of this shit was happening. As soon as he understood that it was an imperious curse, that it was wizard inflicted, and that he tried to strangle three of the healers that were attempting to examine him, he immediately was just like, is he going to be all right? Yeah, that's true. He does so do he that. does care. It's just one more thing on his already overfilled plate. And Scrimgeour has nothing to say. He just kind of shrugs. Like, there's no way of knowing if he's going to be okay. He might be in St. Mungo's in the same ward as Lockhart for the rest of his life. That's so disheartening. Yeah. Scrimgeour then says that's really all he had to say, but he's going to keep him posted and that'll probably happen through Fudge because like we said, he's agreed to be on in an advisory capacity. Lots to do during a war, I'm sure. I also still don't understand why they don't have a muggle liaison. They have a muggle liaison office, but I feel like the minister should have a personal muggle liaison. Yes, agreed. And Hermione definitely put that into play. Oh, she did. Yes. Not that she needed one, but we talked about that a bit last week. So when Scrimgeour mentions that Fudge is going to stay on in an advisory capacity, he again tries to smile, doesn't pull it off because I got fired and uh, basically have to keep doing my job that everybody thinks I sucked at. But what else can I do? We're in a war. Oh, I kind of took it as him trying to have hope in like a really scary scenario. Oh, no. I think that he's trying to put forward the brave face and is also extremely humiliated. That is pretty humiliating. But it is nice that Scrimger wanted to keep him on. I mean, maybe he is still being paid. So that might be nice. I would hope so. Probably not as much, but... At this point, the Muggle Prime Minister is just staring at them both, feeling absolutely hopeless. And finally, before they can fully leave, just goes, you guys are wizards. Surely you can fix anything. This is my favorite line of the whole series, I think. This is such a good ending to a chapter two because Scrimgeour turns back to him and then he and Fudge look at each other And then Fudge really does manage that smile. He really does get the brave face, hope there's some hope there smile, but has to say, the problem is the other side can do magic too. And better, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And then they both step into the green flames and poof, they're gone. And they just leave the poor muggle minister behind to absorb. And end chapter but here we're gonna dive into the movie and here we see nothing that looks like two ministers talking but we get a small glimpse of what's been going on across the country so a dark storm is approaching we see the symbolism Uh uh-huh and we see the smoke ponies fly into diagon alley and take someone out of one of the shops after the windows explode right it was very dramatic 
I rewatched this part and it is very not obvious that it's Ollivander. No, you can't see the sign. There's a mask over his face. I mean, if you're really, really familiar with the front of his shop because it has those two curved windows in yeah. the front, then yes, you probably know it's Ollivander. But how do we know that he doesn't have somebody else that works in the shop with right. him? So, and if you read the books, later on in the books, they'll mention it. They mention it later in the movie, too, when Harry and all of them go to visit Fred and George. They walk past, and it's oh, yeah. destroyed. Yeah. But it's not 100% revealed yet that it's Ollivander. Although you can tell it's John Hurt. I will say that. I watched, and I was like, oh, his body language is, unless they got a really good person. Mimic. <laughs> yeah. Which maybe they did. It could be a... It was a boggart. A stunt double. A yeah. boggart, yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's not revealed at this moment that that's who it is, but we know that's who it is. We're going to find out that's who it is. It's also confusing why they would take Ollivander. They don't explain that. No, and we'll talk about that as that really comes up more so Correct. in the story in yeah. general. They leave Diagon Alley and take a detour towards the pedestrian bridge in the movie. In the book, it is a car bridge what do you call it a car bridge a regular bridge a regular bridge a suspension bridge so they leave out of Diagon Alley go to the pedestrian bridge and they make it fall into the I assume the Thames yeah and you can see because I'm sure it's computer generated you could see when the bridge actually fell there were no people on it ah uh, they all got to the edges like I checked and Rewound it. And yeah, I was just yeah. like, there are no people still on that bridge when it falls into the water. So less bad. Whereas in the book, it was a bridge that people drove on. Yeah. And they specifically said that cars plunged into the river. Which means people probably died. People did die. They said people died. Yeah. A lot of people died. And the muggle minister was getting a lot of flack for it. I was thinking when we were talking about Herbert Chorley going to St. Mungo's, that a really good scenario would be for the Muggle Prime Minister to come into the Wizarding World and do hospital visits. Like how people do stuff like that, like how Diana did stuff like that. She came to New York and she went to... That's how you keep those lines of communication open. Then he would know what was yeah. going on. And they could come up with a cover-up story about what happened. So he's not getting shit for it. Right. Because that's not fair. It's not. Because that's not his fault. And he's left to deal with that big sack of shit with no way of explaining it. Because if something happened in the wizarding world that had to do with muggles, for whatever reason, I know I don't, I can't really think of a scenario that that would happen in. But if something happened in the wizarding world that was the cause was a muggle something you know they're going to throw the muggles under the bus in some way. Fudge could be like, oh, this happened because X, Y, Z. And everybody would be like, oh, okay. That wasn't right. his fault. The muggle prime minister does not have that option. He can't no, be like, there's wizards. wizards. <laughs> this is all wizards' fault. They think he was crazy and he'd get fired. What I think is interesting is the wizards do help to a certain extent with the whole giant involvement. They make everybody think it was a hurricane. But the Muggle minister still is taking a lot of flack. Like, how is he supposed to stop a hurricane, though? We talked about this last week, I think, before we actually got to this part. But I think it's how you deal with the right, hurricane. The Did you send FEMA? Did you send help? Did you send 
people to take care of people in the West Country. That's yeah, the important part. And so I maybe would hope he, so. Maybe he didn't respond the way he needed to. Maybe because if maybe you respond not. accurately, then people will respond accurately to you. Yeah. Who knows? But this is such a very short movie scene that that was it. That's it. That's all that happened. We did not get any of the conversations, as we mentioned, between Fudge and the Muggle Prime Minister. We did not get to meet Scrimgeour at this point, the new Minister of Magic. We didn't get to see any new actors, except Fenrir a little bit. He was the only one whose face we could see, and he does a lot more later on. So we'll just talk about Dave Legano later. Okay. When he does more stuff. But that'll bring us to our Potter pondering, which we want to know if you feel like any major plot points are missing since the movie Half-Blood Prince left out the past and current conversations between Fudge and the Muggle Prime Minister. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. We don't have a sorting hat story this week, but as promised, we're going to talk about our Harry Potter fundraiser again. The night will include a costume contest, a live Potterheads of History episode, trivia, a raffle, and other shenanigans that would make Fred and George proud. Speaking of being proud, I am super proud of the raffle prize. It is really awesome. I made some wooden letters in the Harry Potter font. I have a scroll saw. It's fun. But they spell out the word magical, partially because, you know, magic, but also because magical has seven letters and there are seven books. So each letter is covered with a copy of the sequential book cover. And I actually did these before as a raffle several years ago, so it was fun to make them again. And we are going to be raffling them off at this event. The proceeds from this event will be donated to Camp Lilac, a summer camp in Ohio for transgender and gender diverse youth. If you're already registered, we'll see you there. If you haven't, I want you to sign up. If you do want to share your Sorting Hat story for a future episode, you can email it to foxsakepod at gmail.com or send it to us over social media. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. We really look forward to reading them. This week's trivia question is, Snape tells Bellatrix he returned to the Dark Lord on the night he came back, but not immediately. How long does he say it took him? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag baffled Bellatrix will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at Fox Sake Pod. Following us on Podbean at Fox Sake Pod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at ForFoxSakePodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel 
where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks, like for Fox Sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 2, Spinner's End, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For Fox Fox Sake. Sake.